Andrew Cuomo likely responsible for a thousand deaths in New York nursing homes, according to a new report. Lockdowns may never end and millions remain without vital infrastructure in Texas. So why the heck is everybody talking about Ted Cruz's family vacation that they ruined, by the way? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Ted Cruz, that's got to go, hey, hey, ho, ho. Ted Cruz, that's got to go, hey, hey, ho, ho. Ted Cruz, that's got to go, hey, hey, ho, ho. Ted Cruz, that's got to go. Ted Cruz tried to go on vacation with his family. And these lunatics are now outside his home in Texas bothering him. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Look. They can try to make this as big a deal as they want. They can do all this stuff. They can have protesters and losers galore gathered together to act like Cancun Gate is going to become a thing. But we all need to take a deep breath here, all right? We all need to just sit back, relax. Ted Cruz broke no rule, broke no ethical guideline. The guy didn't want to be in Texas while the place was freezing cold. And so he went with his wife and kids to Cancun, which is just, I don't know, two, three hours or something on the plane from where he is, maybe even less, to go check out some warmer places. I mean, they are freaking out about this, and there are reasons for it. And that's what we're going to talk to you about now. But first, I'm going to say, Cruz made a mistake here. And I don't even think the mistake was going to Cancun, because if he had just stayed there for the weekend and come back, I mean, no big deal. The mistake is that he apologized. He should know better. You don't bend the knee to the woke, angry, lib mob. But he did do that. Look, it it was obviously a mistake. And in hindsight, I I wouldn't have done it. Um, I was trying to be a dad. And and all of us have made decisions. When you've got two girls who have been cold for two, two days and haven't had heat or power, and they're saying, hey, look, we don't have school. Why don't we go? Let's get out of here. I think there are a lot of parents that'd be like, all right, let me, if I can do this, great. That's what I wanted to do. What's the problem? There's no problem. I, I see all these conservatives are upset. Oh, he's not the governor of Texas. He's not the mayor of Houston. He's not in the state assembly. He doesn't run the power grid. He's not in charge. He's got to sit there. I'm here in New York City. We had COVID worse than anybody else. And it, all the, the rich lockdown journos at MSNBC and CNN and everybody who could, you know, all the New York Times reporters, everybody who could work remotely, they went to Florida, to the Hamptons. They got out of here while people were dying in large numbers in New York. Well, a lot of us were scared of COVID. Oh, well, fleeing COVID was no big deal. I just, I don't understand what, you know, it's a bad situation in Texas. Ted Cruz didn't make it any worse. And I'm not some huge Ted Cruz super fan or anything either. I just feel like this is madness. Probably because of the media overreaching and acting like the uh, unhinged jackals that they are. Here's a sampling of that. Flying Ted Cruz. He's been totally shamed. Exposed for going full Trump. Ted Cruz did what any great leader would do when his state needs leadership most. He booked a flight to Mexico and said, adios, amigos. I have to say, it's worse than Chris Christie on the beach. It's worse than Pelosi at the hairdresser. It's worse than Newsom at French Laundry. I think that the glaring failure uh, showed by Cruz is he really doesn't care about the people that he is representing in the Senate. 
Can I just go back? I don't know who that bald clown was on that CNN show. Um, Smirkanish. There you go. Thank you, Control Room. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know this guy's work. Not familiar with it. Who cares? Um, point is, everything he said is wrong, by the way. It would be worse than Nancy Pelosi at the hairdresser or worse than Gavin Newsom at French Laundry if Ted Cruz had signed a law saying you must stay in your home and you cannot go anywhere. No, that would be really bad. Then I'd be here, I'd be, you know, telling people, yeah, go protest outside his house like lunatics. Uh, He just didn't want to stick around while it was freezing in Texas, so he took his family away for the weekend. People have been doing this all across the pandemic. Virus numbers go up, they leave town. Is this a free country or not? Although that's increasingly a question that doesn't have an obvious answer. But it's absolutely not worse than those other things. Chris Christie... Yeah, that's right, Chris Christie. He shut down the beach, and then he went to the beach. That is hypocritical. That is gross. Ted Cruz didn't tell anybody else they couldn't go to Cancun. He didn't tell them they couldn't, you know, pack up the car and drive to some other place. It's not the same thing as all, but they're trying to make it the same thing. You know why? Because they hate Ted Cruz. Because they think that maybe Trump's not going to run again, but they think Ted Cruz will, and he terrifies them because Ted is disciplined and smart. And while, yeah, he's not the guy that you necessarily want to be sharing margaritas with on the beach more than anybody else, he'd probably get it done for conservatism, and they know that. And that's why they're making this whole thing. But there's an even bigger reason that they're exaggerating and they're making such a huge stink about all this. And it's because they'd rather talk about Ted Cruzgate or whatever stupid name that some of them are going to give this if they haven't already, than a real political scandal where people lost their lives, where there is a cover-up, where there are a lot of deaths, where there is despair, and it's all because of one idiot bully who happens to be a Democrat. And that is, of course, what's going on here in New York with the nursing home catastrophe, courtesy of none other than Governor Andrew Cuomo. There's a new study out from the Empire Center that shows that Cuomo potentially killed a thousand people. Here's the quote, the admission of coronavirus positive patients into New York nursing homes under March 25th guidance from the New York State Department of Health was associated with a statistically significant increase in resident deaths. Statewide, the findings imply that COVID-positive new admissions between late March and early May, which numbered 6,327, were associated with several hundred and possibly more than a thousand additional resident deaths. It's just a question of looking at the data looking at the order he gave, and then coming to the obvious conclusions. So not only did he give that order, but he covered up the order, he bullied people who tried to expose what had happened, and in doing so, perpetuated bad policy that could have led to even more lives lost from all of this. Look, credit where it's due. I always say that, and I mean it. Even AOC is saying there needs to be an investigation of Governor, Cuo- of Governor Cuomo. I support our state's return to co-equal governance, yada, yada. Thousands of vulnerable New Yorkers lost their lives in nursing homes throughout the pandemic. Their loved ones and the public deserve answers and transparency from their elected leadership. And the secretary of the governor's remarks warrant a full investigation. Yes. Yes, they actually, what she is saying is true. There should be a full investigation. Do I think there will be? No. Do I think there'll be accountability? Absolutely not. But do I also know the media would much rather talk to you about Ted Cruz than any of this? This is a great shiny object they can distract you with. Oh, look at Ted Cruz going to Cancun. Who cares? 
There's no actual violation here. There's no breaking of law or ethics. There's nothing that he could have done. Now Ted Cruz is just going to be cold inside his big fancy house in the state of Texas while they're still dealing with all these problems. Doesn't change a thing. But the media got their moment to get us distracted from a story this week that broke and is really starting to hurt the brand of one of their preferred, perhaps future presidential candidates with Governor Andrew Cuomo. And this nursing home scandal is not going away. As much as they're going to try to, they're going to, try to limit our attention spans when it comes to this, it's there and we're going to follow up on it. With the stroke of a pen, President Biden just made it more difficult for ICE officers, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, to arrest illegal aliens. We've got more on this latest policy shift with Center for Immigration Studies' Art Arthur when we come back. You never thought COVID-19 could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might because cybercrime is up 75%. And by far the most serious cybercrime to worry about is home title theft. That's right, cyber criminals, foreign and domestic, are now after our homes, and it's a lot easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now. The thief finds your home's title and forges your signature on a quitclaim deed, stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or eviction notices arrive. Insurance doesn't cover you, and neither do common identity theft programs. That's why I protect my home with Home Title Lock. The instant home title lock detects someone tampering with my home's title, they will help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim, then use code RADIO to receive 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, HomeTitleLock.com. One month into his presidency, and Joe Biden has drastically reversed former President Trump's work at the southern border. Immigration officers will now need approval from their chain of command before arresting illegal immigrants outside of three specific categories. And the new temporary guidelines issued by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, these ICE officers must now focus only on undocumented immigrants that pose a threat to national security, have committed aggravated felonies, or have crossed the border since November 1st, essentially giving the green light to everyone else who's in the country illegally. Let's bring in Art Arthur, resident fellow in law and policy at the Center for Immigration Studies. Art, good to see you. Thank you for having me. Let's start with this. What's the most recent change in policy when it comes to enforcement, and what does it mean? Well, a new policy uh, about enforcement was issued yesterday, and it's actually rather drastic. Uh, as you noted, it limits uh, the aliens, even removable aliens, that ICE is allowed to arrest in the United States to three specific categories. Individuals who pose a danger to the national security, aliens who entered the United States on or after November 1, 2020, and aliens who have been convicted of aggravated felonies. But I would note, Buck, that even with respect to those aliens who have been convicted of aggravated felonies, not even all of them are to be arrested because ICE agents have to take into consideration things like their own personal circumstances, their family circumstances, their health, and the recency of their conviction. Keep in mind that under the Immigration Nationality Act, all aliens who have been convicted of aggravated felonies are supposed to be removed from the United States. In addition, the INA says that a lot of other criminal aliens are supposed to be uh, removed from the United States as well, but the new policy doesn't cover those individuals at all. We actually have the new ICE uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement memo 
And it says the civil immigration enforcement and removal decisions include, but are not limited to, decide whether to issue a detainer or whether to assume custody of a non-citizen subject to a previously issued detainer, whether to issue, reissue, or cancel a notice to appear, deciding whether to stop, question, or arrest a non-citizen for an administrative violation. I mean, it sounds kind of like they're just looking to use a very broad view of uh, prosecutorial discretion at the executive to nullify a whole lot of laws. That's exactly it. We saw this back in 2011 under President Obama, and then again in November 2014 under President Obama. What uh, these administrations have done is to attempt to limit the number of aliens who are actually removed from the United States by claiming that they have to prioritize their resources. One thing to keep in mind is back in 2011, ICE Director John Morton said ICE had the uh, only had the resources to remove about 400,000 aliens a year. We haven't removed up 200,000 aliens a year in almost six years. So, you know, claiming that this is based upon priorities is just ridiculous. It's, it's simply an excuse. This is just an effort to limit the number of aliens who are in the United States and who are removed so that when President Biden, you know, uh, pushes his amnesty bill past the finish line, as many people are going to be eligible for it as possible. And that includes a number of criminal aliens. Where do we where do we stand right now with that amnesty bill that you mentioned? The Biden administration is already talking about it a lot. I've seen that there's supposed to be an eight year path to citizenship, uh, assuming and I know that there'll be changes made to it in the Congress and that it's not not finalized yet. But assuming that it goes through roughly along the lines that Joe Biden and and the Democrat controlled Congress hope that it will so far, what does an eight year to citizenship, uh, eight year pathway to citizenship look like for illegal immigrants? And also I would note, I'm seeing now they wanna change the official language in the federal code so that they're now just referred to as non-citizens. Yeah, you know, non-citizens, aliens, it's, you know, all just semantics. Uh, in, in fact, it really doesn't even work that well in the law. Uh, alien's been the term that we've used since 1798 to describe people who aren't citizens in the United States. And I really think that that's just a distraction, something for us to talk about while we ignore the massive amnesty in that bill. That bill would amnesty uh, every alien illegally present in the United States, save just a handful. It would more than double legal immigration going forward it would actually require that aliens that were deported under the Trump administration be allowed to return to the United States so that they can take advantage of the amnesty. Uh, it would uh, negate worksite enforcement, which was the trade-off for the 1986 amnesty. And it would require uh, the government to provide attorneys to a whole lot of aliens who are in removal proceedings. So. Uh, this is a massive giveaway bill to illegal aliens in the United States that contains no enforcement whatsoever. Art, there's a whole list of things you went through there, but one that, that uh, stuck out to me was the return of aliens. I, I read this, uh, I read this in, in a news story, and it just seemed like, how could this be possible? To return aliens sent to their country of origin during the Trump administration, to bring them back into America so that they could then be a part of the amnesty? What, what's the justification for that? I mean, and why, why just the Trump administration? I mean, how, how do they structure this? 
Well, it's based upon a misperception that uh, ICE enforcement under Donald Trump was actually somehow different or worse than it was under any previous administration. The fact is that other than the last two years of the Obama administration, fewer aliens were arrested and fewer aliens were deported from the interior of the United States than during any previous year in the Obama administration. So prior to FY15, uh, we removed uh, and arrested more aliens in the United States than the Trump administration during any given fiscal year of its administration. So it's based upon a perception that ICE was mean or cruel or heartless. I can't remember some of the other words that I saw, some of them I can't use on television. But uh, you know, under the Trump administration, quite frankly, that's just wrong. If anybody looked at the numbers, they would know that. I assume that the Biden administration has looked at the numbers, but I'm gonna have to assume maybe they haven't. We wanna actually show some numbers here. Border encounters and arrests uh, from January 2018, then 2019, 2020, 2021. Uh, the, the numbers have ticked up quite a bit from 2020, 2021. Now there was obviously the pandemic year, so we would expect the numbers to be somewhat different. What do you see in this, given the 2018 to 2021 uh, uptick and downtick? I see real trouble for the uh, upcoming spring and summer because January is traditionally the time that aliens don't make the uh, trip to the United States. So they're making the trip to the United States for a reason, and that reason is that they expect that they're going to be allowed to have amnesty if they just make it to the United States. Uh, and, you know, Biden's rhetoric has encouraged people I to enter say, the United they States They are illegally. probably, they're probably right. I mean, I know that officially they're, they might not, but they will be able to stay actually if they get here. If I were a betting man, I'd say if you got here right now with the Biden administration, chances are you're probably gonna be able to stay. But we gotta leave it there for now, Art. We're gonna have a lot to talk about as this continues to unfold. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me, Bob. Power outages and vital infrastructure failures continue to plague residents of Texas. We've got talk show host Ben Ferguson on the ground down in Houston. He's going to join us next. These days, being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable, and we can all benefit from something reliable right about now. What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Don't wait to see what happens with inflation. Don't wait to see if the economy takes a turn for the worse. Take action today to protect your wealth. Get real gold and silver. That's what I do. 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD. The situation in Texas continues to deteriorate as millions remain without power, heat, or running water. Temperatures are still freezing and dozens have already died across the state. This may go down in history as one of the worst infrastructure failures in the United States. Now the left will never miss an opportunity, of course, to turn a disaster into some kind of a political win. They are already pointing fingers at the Republican leadership of that state while covering up how much of this could be traced back to the failure of green wind turbine energy that powers over 10% of Texas. 
To help shed light on what, the on what the situation's really like on the ground, I'm joined by the host of the Ben Ferguson Show. It's a podcast you can all check out. Ben Ferguson, who is down there in Houston, in Texas, <laughs> dealing with all this right now. Ben, yeah. good to see you. It looks like you're safe and warm for now, so that's good. I, I've done the polar uh, challenge by uh, doing the wash your hair in a pool at 30 degrees outside, so we can add that to the list of unique things that have happened in 2021 already after we thought it was going to get better than 2020, right? So what is the reason that this, or the reasons, that this deep freeze hasn't yet, you know, that, that you haven't gotten out of this, essentially? Why is this continuing on? And some are saying in some ways it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Uh, and it, there's three different aspects of this, and so I'll try to break it down. One of this is like a, a hundred-year storm. This has not happened in my lifetime. The majority of people where I am in Houston tonight have never seen this type of experience where you have these below freezing temperatures for virtually an entire week. So you gotta throw that in there as an X factor. The second part of this problem is the fact that you have an infrastructure grid that should have been improved a lot more in local areas, uh, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. These are areas, these major cities that did not invest the way they should have in their infrastructure. And so a lot of the pipe failures you're seeing are you've got pipes that are 50, 60, 80 years old. That's the same thing we're seeing in Galveston, for example, where they're having a massive amount of problems down there with water uh, and the water supply system. That So you, you combine these temperatures, you combine the infrastructure issues, and then you have a third factor. No one ever imagined that you would have a grid that would be under this much strain. I'm talking about the power grid. Uh, while you had this you know, 10 to 20% uh, of our energy coming from these wind turbines that didn't have an antifreeze system put in on them. Many of these systems you see in the north are places that, for example, freeze, they came equipped with antifreeze systems. Well, in Texas, you would assume you probably wouldn't need that. And if you did need it, it might only be in a little area because the other parts of the state could kind of help out and move power around the grid to, to, to help out where there might be a small freeze. When you had this go virtually statewide, uh, you had a perfect, perfect disaster waiting to happen. Old infrastructure, no, you know, the turbines that didn't have what they needed to de-ice, so you had 40, 50% of them offline. You had old pipes uh, that are bursting left and right, and now you, that's why you have so many places uh, that don't even have uh, water and they don't have electricity, and you may have one or the other, and it's sketchy. You don't have internet uh, in many of the places. Uh, you know, you and I have talked over the phone a couple of times. We had, we had no water for days now. And now we do have a low water pressure back, uh, but we're being told it's going to be at least three or four days. We're going to have to boil that water before we can drink it more than likely, they say safely. Uh, and this is another example of a failure uh, when people in government, when their sole job is to work on this crap and they just don't do it. And this is what you pay for as a taxpayer. I mean, since you're down there in it, uh, Ben, you're in the midst of what's going on in Texas and you're dealing with this really difficult situation. I mean, just tell us and, you know, spare nobody in it and your account of it. Uh, who, I'm sure there are multiple layers, multiple levels of responsibility for the failure here. Who are they? What are they? Well, I, look, I think you've got to look at the people that actually run the energy grid and you got to look at the people that this is their sole job, right? A lot of blame has to go on them. Then I would say second failure would be the politicians that spent money on a bunch of other crap when they should have been protecting the grid and making sure that the grid was uh, acceptable in 2021. 
uh, and they didn't want to spend the money. And there was enough people that said, hey, we'll be fine, and this 100-year storm won't happen. Uh, and then you've got a third part of this, and that I do think is the federal government uh, that, that, is, that has said, okay, we'll, we'll be kind of at war with Texas because Texas doesn't allow the federal government to kind of take over uh, instead of maybe working joint hand in hand. So there, there's going to be a lot of heads that roll. The governor's taking a lot of heat right now. I think this could hurt him politically in a significant way. Uh, you had some just missteps, and, and these are just dumb missteps. Uh, and I, I would say this to Ted Cruz. I like him. I know him. But going out of town, going to Cabo, dropping your family off, and then having to run back because people took pictures of you, you know, those don't help out the situation, even though in reality, Ted Cruz is probably not going to have a lot to do as a United States senator. This yeah. is a yeah, government also bad. I mean, once, once he's there, why come back? I mean, I, first of all, why? You're already face, there. Look, I mean, I, I, th I think, yeah, I mean, it, first of all, I mean, you know, look, I understand there's the optics of it. And is, it is it wrong or not? But okay, there's an outcry over Ted, Ted Cruz leaving. So he's with his family. No one said, look, we just went through a pandemic here in New York City and all the rich people left for the Hamptons and Palm Beach as soon as they could. Yeah, they hold it. And, and none of yeah. them, and they were on TV, they were doing their remote hits. None of them were apologizing. Politicians that had second homes, which a lot of them do, by the way, they all left. I mean, I understand it. It doesn't look good. But then to, to apologize and come running back, what has he done since he came running back? What's the point? Yeah, I, you know, I joked. It's, 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 it's one of those things where I say, basically, Ted Cruz could come home and sit there and play Mario Kart like Joe Biden is right now at Camp David, right, where they're writing stories about him playing Mario Kart with his grandkids. Meanwhile, from what we understand, you want to talk about a big scandal, Joe Biden didn't even have enough time to talk to the governors. Uh, in Texas and other places dealing with this deep freeze. He, he, he basically, you know, sent it down the line to his other minions to talk to these governors. And he says, oh, well, okay, today I'll declare a state of emergency. As soon as it gets to my desk, I'll sign it. He didn't even have enough time to talk to these governors. Uh, that should be a bigger story. Look, when you run for office and you're Republican, you're going to be held to a different standard than the Democrats. We all know that. And Ted Cruz is a smart guy. And his advisors, I'm sure, would have told him the same thing. I would have said, dude, I don't care if you sit in your house and twiddle your thumbs. You can't go to Mexico and then want to maybe run for president again during this because they're going to nail you for it. There, there's a double standard. They're going to hit you for this. But if you leave, they're going to say you abandon and you're privileged and you're rich and you're out of touch. And look, if you're running against Ted Cruz, whether it be for the Senate next time or in 2024, you and I could write this ad buck in 30 seconds. Ted Cruz, when you needed him, where was he? He fled oh, to Mexico you can see, while you can Americans see, needed you. You can see Snowflake, the, uh, the 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 little poodle. I believe Snowflake is their yeah. poodle. Oh yeah. At, at you know, it was left behind. Just, just stick, sticking his little nose up at the door. They're gonna have. They're gonna add some graphic where little Snowflake is uh, is shivering and everything because she was left at home yeah. while Ted Cruz is drinking pina colada. I mean, you know. Yeah. Governor Cuomo I mean, look, in New York, you know this. Uh, this is not whataboutism because this is in the news cycle. Governor Cuomo in, uh, in New York is calling threatening people because he knows everyone's going to figure out that he's a moron who killed hundreds, if not over a thousand people by saying, yeah, send COVID. This would be like ordering someone to go back into you know, their, uh, their room when they have a COVID positive roommate. That's what he did. But let's talk about Ted Cruz leaving Snowflake behind for two days while he went to the Ritz-Carlton. You know, yeah, drinking yeah. Let's, drinking let's sangrias with his top hat and his monocle. Yeah, and let's let's not talk about the fact that the actual president of the United States of America didn't even have enough time to put down the controller from playing Mario Kart to answer the phone calls of multiple governors 
who are asking for federal aid, bottled water and basic necessities. We've already run out of bottled water at multiple locations in about a six hour span today because people are desperate. We're talking about millions of bottles of water. FEMA is supposed to be sending more, but but the same media that if you're going to hit Ted Cruz for leaving and going away for a few days, obviously he came back, then how do you not hit the president of the United States of America for going to bed early, as they put it in another article on CNN? He's, he goes to bed earlier and he has fires in the fireplace in the Oval Office, and he plays at Camp David yeah. Mario Kart. He chose Luigi. How do you not ask questions of these guys? It just It's the double standard, but again, you're a Republican leader. You're always going to be held to a different standard, so you better be ready to stay home when the, you know what it's the fan. Joe Biden, first president in history that the media will fawn over for sitting in the park with a blanket over his knees, feeding the squirrels peanuts. Anyway, good to, good to see you. Good to see you, Ben. Appreciate you joining. Thank stay, you, brother. Stay, stay safe warm. down there. Yeah. A growing number of lawmakers are calling for a boycott of the 2022 Beijing Olympics over China's continued human rights violations. After the break, we'll talk to Florida Congressman Michael Waltz, who's just introduced legislation to make a boycott official U.S. policy. Stay with us for that. Joe Biden's not going to hold China accountable. Someone's going to try. Florida Congressman Mike Waltz introduced a House resolution earlier this week calling on the U.S. to boycott the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. The resolution pointing to various human rights violations, big tech censorship, and coronavirus cover-ups from the Chinese Communist Party. So are other people going to join in on the boycott? How far is this going to go? Congressman Waltz joins us now to discuss. Congressman, as always, good to see you. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. So, so first, just for everybody who's wondering, wow, boycotting China, uh, how would this work? If you, if, let's just assume that you had enough support to get this to where you want it to be. What would happen? Well, first, I want to be clear. What we've asked the International Olympic Committee to do is actually move the Olympics to rebid the games and get them out of Beijing. Senator Rick Scott from Florida has been asking that for the better part of a year. So is former Speaker Newt Gingrich. But we're now just 11 months away, and and you know, frankly, enough is enough. Uh, so I'm I've introduced a resolution calling for a boycott. As you mentioned, we just cannot reward the regime in Beijing, the Chinese Communist Party, for the the virus that they have unleashed on the world. Two million dead and counting, absolute cover up, arrested journalists, arrested doctors that were trying to to sound the alarm still haven't ha uh, handed the WHO, uh, the relevant data. And on top of that, the genocide that's going on in Western China with the Uyghurs, literally video coming out of them on their knees, being loaded onto rail cars, slave labor, mass internment, a forced rape, uh, or excuse me, a mass rape campaign and forced sterilization. It's just gross and disgusting. And as you well know, uh, Buck, the Olympics will provide them a platform, a global platform to further their propaganda, to whitewash uh, everything that they've done, not to mention Hong Kong, Tibet, and the Christian per persecution that's going on. I just don't see how, if the Biden administration is serious uh, about human rights and is willing to walk the walk, I just don't see how we turn a blind eye to all of this. What would it take to get China actually disqualified from hosting the Olympics? How would that mechanism work? Well, it would it would take the IOC uh, to step up uh, and, to, and to grow a spine and to live up to its own ethics uh, rules and its own rules in terms of 
what disqualifies an Olympic, uh, an Olympic host. Uh, they certainly wouldn't put the Olympics in Rwanda in the wake of the massacre of the Tutsis. They wouldn't have put it in Bosnia in the wake of Srebrenica. Uh, and the other piece is we have to look at what these regimes often do in the wake of the legitimacy that is provided uh, to them with the Olympics. We all know what happened uh, after the 1936 games with Germany. A lot of folks don't realize that Putin invaded Crimea and invaded Ukraine in just months following the Sochi games. So my fear is what does the CCP, what does Chairman Z plan to do next in the wake of the winter games? And of course, I think we are all concerned about Taiwan. This is what the Biden administration seems to be taking as its approach. This was a recent town hall where President Biden said the following about China. If you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. The central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms. Different cultural <laughs> norms, you know, as you mentioned, yeah. the... Yeah. Extermination of the Uyghurs, mass enslavement, rape and torture. And Joe Biden's here telling us that it's just a different cultural approach and he's not going to call them out. What do you think of that? Well, this that kind of moral equivalency is just is frankly, you know, disgusting. And, and don't just take it from me. A hundred and eighty human rights organizations have called for the Olympics to be moved. Uh, and now I'm calling for the next step, which is which is a boycott. Uh, you know, the other piece, Buck, I don't want to uh, you know leave you without calling out and talking about corporate America that seems to think you know social justice, I guess, only applies in the United States and not the rest of the world. Who's you know NBC, Nike, Apple, uh, you know, and so many others who stand to make billions uh, off of these games and will infuse billions into Beijing. Meanwhile, an Australian think tank just released a report that showed that 80 international brands are directly benefiting from the slave labor coming out of Western China. Uh, you know, again, we all need to step up and call this out, uh, and we cannot reward Beijing for all that it's done to the world. It does seem there's an uh, amazing double standard here where you have corporate America, some of the biggest, most well-known companies in America, all making public statements in support of Black Lives Matter in 2020 during the, the various uh, protests and riots across the country because they say it's a justice issue. But it seems, Congressman, like those same companies put access to the Chinese market ahead of freedom yeah. for Hong Kong, uh, security and safety for the Uyghurs, any free speech, any, any number of these issues. Well, that's right. And look, I mean, I'm a free market capitalist and proudly all day long, but not when it comes at the expense of national security or human rights abuses that are just this terrible. You know, I mean, and I would I'd challenge those companies where they have invested in the Soviet Union in the height of the Cold War. Right. But the difference here is they're making so much money. I keep telling them, you know, if you want access to a billion person market, look at India next door 
the world's largest democracy, and they are not looking to replace the American dream with the China dream, as President Xi keeps saying in speech after speech after speech. So there's the other element of actually supporting and making money off of America's, I think, greatest adversary that we've ever faced. Now, I also want to ask you, just uh, switching gears for a moment here, about the continued deployment. I mean, you were formerly in the United States Special Forces. There is the deployment right now of National Guard continuing in our nation's capital. What is that all about? Well, I don't know. I keep asking. (laughs) I've asked the the Secretary of the Army, uh, the the Assistant Secretary for Homeland Defense in a hearing, uh, and others, and I can't get a straight answer on what is the threat that is so large and so dire that it requires more troops in our capital than we have in Iraq and Afghanistan combined, right? And these aren't just everyday troops, they're National Guard, which means, and I'm still serving as a colonel in the Guard, they've been pulled out of their businesses, out of their jobs, out of their civilian careers, away from their families. They've been mobilized many times last year for social unrest, natural disasters, COVID, and they still are on the hook for overseas deployments. So we need answers, and it's not fair to them to have this open-ended deployment uh, when they themselves, because I ask a lot of them, don't understand what the threat is that is keeping them there in such large numbers uh, for so long. So we'll keep pounding away on it, Buck, but to, to this point, I don't have a clear answer. Congressman Waltz, good to see you. Thanks for uh, shutting some light on all this. All right. Thanks so much, man. After the break, those stories we still have to get to. Quick hits up next. Some Democrats, at least, can't find anything to criticize about Joe Biden so far. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis offers a statewide tribute to radio legend Rush Limbaugh. We've got those stories in quick hits. Let's get right to it because it's quick. James Carville, the raging Cajun, as I think he was formerly known, Here he is on his assessment of Joe Biden, which I think is representative of how certainly all the journalists in America view it. Play it. Honestly, I would I would do any I would love to be sort of mildly critical of something the new president's done. I I really can't think of anything so far. Uh, You know, I think his town hall was was just right up right on the money. I thought he had the the, the right attitude about it. He seems to be handling things. And it's very early. And I'm I'm sure it's a bit of a honeymoon and we'll have plenty to complain about later. But as of right now, I think he's doing extraordinarily well in in his demeanor and his policies and everything that he's done so far. But this is not going to last. But uh, right now, I'm 100 <laughs> percent. And I think a lot of people feel that way. He's doing a remarkably good job so far. Pitching a perfect game, a shutout, if you will. Yeah, that's right. Good old Joe. Nothing to criticize, nothing to talk about. I mean, the Keystone XL pipeline being canceled, which doesn't actually even help the environment and cost thousands of jobs. But it's just something that the environmentalist crybabies wanted. So Biden caved and did it for them because a lot of environmentalists have a lot of money and they write checks to people like Joe Biden, the DNC. But that's that's great. There's nothing to criticize in that, right? The huge surge of migrants coming to our uh, southern border because they know that there's a Biden amnesty coming and that uh, rule of law when it comes to immigration is going to be essentially a joke. There's nothing to criticize there. It's great. It's great. Joe Biden saying that we're going to get to 100 million doses of vaccine in the first 100 days only to find out that they were already at about a million a day before he even took office. I mean, you know, the guy's a genius. 
Joe Biden is a genius. Uh, yeah. You know who else thinks she's a genius or thinks she's at least real smart? And I'm not convinced at all. Uh, she's a good fraud, though, a talented fake. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. And she's piling on to the whole, the previous administration was the worst. They did not protect essential workers. Play. For nearly a year, the federal government has treated these workers as disposable. These essential workers are disproportionately black and brown. More than 5 million essential workers don't have legal documentation. And many are hardly making enough money to get by. The failure, in fact, the outright refusal of the past administration to protect essential workers during this pandemic has been truly shameful. And that's going to change. How? And, and what is she even talking about? Doesn't make it clear, right? Just a lot of emotion, not a lot of thinking. That's really a hallmark of Elizabeth Warren. That's what you tend to get with her. It all kind of just sounds really serious and, and you know, thoughtful. And, and then you listen to what she's saying and you go, hold on a second, what was that all about? Oh boy. Um, anyway, on to something worth talking about. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida has put uh, flags at half-staff for the great Rush Limbaugh. That's right, flags to be flown at half-staff in the state of Florida. Uh, this also, I think, should be done nationwide. The Biden administration should, but of course they will not. But uh, the greatest person, I'm a radio host as well as a TV, sh uh, TV guy, and uh, we all know, everyone in radio knows, the greatest to have ever done this is Rush Limbaugh, and there will never be another like him. And it is uh, a testament to Ron DeSantis' judgment that he understands that this is a great American who should be honored, who did a tremendous amount for his country and provided inspiration, comfort, and really a, a friend every day at noon Eastern for three hours on the radio for millions of Americans. So God bless Rush and his family and good move from Governor Ron DeSantis. All right, now back to uh, smacking some libs around here. We got uh, Osterholm. He's one of the COVID, you know, I, he's one of my COVID guys I've had to talk about recently because he was the one who said that two masks is actually worse than one. I'm not letting this go because I remember these things. He said two masks is worse than one mask because of the way the, the vapor gets through, it gets stuck or something. I don't even remember. But it, he said it was worse. I, I, it wasn't me. He said it was worse. And then, you know, Fauci was all, oh, well, we're going to need more data. So they sprayed water at mannequins with masks on and said, see, it works. That's actually what they did, by the way. They didn't run any real human tests. Mannequins. That's how they go two masks better than one. Science. Yeah, that's really smart. Uh, but Cuomo, the governor of New York, who we've been spending plenty of time uh, having conversations about here, Governor Cuomo has said that uh, Osterholm was a chief advisor. Hmm, is he? You said you've only spoken to Andrew, Governor Cuomo once, but one of his top aides said that he spoke to you on a regular basis, that's, that you're one of his top advisors. That's absolutely not true. Never true. I've had one five-minute conversation, which was a surprise, and he had seen me on MSNBC and just wanted to call and say what a great job I did. Okay. And that's my sole total I've ever, ever had a conversation with him. I have a paper trail on all of the emails and all I ever was asked to do is, did this meet the red, green or yellow zone numbers? And, and that was it. I've never, I've not had a discussion with him and I've not met with any of them. I've never met with them. Um, I've never had a Zoom call with any of them, any, you know. Let me just say this. It's important that we all understand this is just one example of what has certainly been a much more prominent, much more uh, widespread phenomenon of politicians 
using, invoking the name of different experts as if you can't challenge me because I spoke to Fauci about this directly. It's like, well, one, I don't care. But two, did you? Did you really? Are, are, are you up to date on everything that's being said by the people who are on the front lines of the science of this? Just wondering, you know, who's definitely not up on the science ever? Nancy Pelosi. Here's what she says about opening schools. Now, the important point to make on this is where there is a high incidence of, um, of, uh, of COVID, most of those schools are virtual or hybrid anyway. They're not uh, actual. They're not actual. And the vaccination might not make it uh, actual anyway. So again, there has to be a judgment made from the community as to how they go forward. Maybe they're never really going to open. Who knows? Even after vaccination. Nancy's letting you know the lockdowners are not going to let you have your life back. You're going to have to take it back. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.